In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success? Who defined it? Who decided that success was the goal instead of fulfillment? What happens if we shake up that definition? What if we make our own definition of success? My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and on this podcast, I'm going to dig deep into the real stories behind success. Join me as I interview other entrepreneurs who've climbed up Success Mountain and have come back down to share their stories so you can succeed. If you're ready to join a community of other entrepreneurs redefining success and finding fulfillment, go to BeFulfilledLife.com and join the community. Now, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It is the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grebmeyer, and today we are connecting with Jared Nichols. Now, the cool thing about Jared, we became friends several years ago. Dove Barron introduced us. And one of the things that I, I loved right off the bat with Jared is his thinking ability. And, and what we're going to talk about today is he's a futurist, an advisor, and a graduate school professor. He teaches leaders, teams, and individuals how to think like futurists so they can create the best future for themselves and the people they serve. Some of the interesting things about Jared, he's also a musician, a composer, a competitive cyclist, a trail runner, and he lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with his wife and their two sons. Please welcome to the show, Jared. Awesome, Tony. Great to be here. Hey, man, I am excited, locked and loaded, ready to go. One question out the gate every person has to answer. What is your definition of success? Hmm. Very good question. <laughs> well, I guess that's a, that answer depends on what part of my life you're talking about. But I think in general, uh, my definition of success ultimately comes down to a couple of things. Number one is how I am feeling when I look back on that moment, right? Is it a, is it a feeling of pride? Did I achieve what it is that I wanted to achieve? You know, my definition of success is not based on external metrics, right? Like how much money do I make or how much, uh, uh, how big is my house, right? Those things are fine if that's what they are for you. But I, and I, that is something that I believe is that it has to be individual for you. But for me, it's really about uh, when I'm looking back at that moment, just like when we talk about looking back at the end of our lives, how do I feel? Am I proud? Do I wish I would have done things differently? Did I take the chances that I needed to take? So it really is my definition comes down to how I'm feeling. I love and, it. Uh, yeah. Perfect answer because uh, in the pre-roll, we talk about let's remove money from the equation because right at the very end of it, it's cool. You, you have a lot of money, but your life could be empty and meaningless and you're really bored and you don't have any great friends because you worked your ass off. Yeah, you made a lot of money, but you didn't really, really build anything specific yeah. in the relationship game. And it just became something that I called the empty and meaningless part, right? And so many people yeah. around success, I'm not saying that successful people have it. But I've done a lot of research to talk to some of the, the richest people on the planet, and a lot of them don't have a lot of great friends. They're, they're loners. Uh, they've worked really, really hard, burned some bridges, and kind of look back at their life saying, I wish I would have done things a little different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, uh, that's important to point out. I mean, success really ultimately has to be what it is that you want to achieve. What kind yeah, of and, and your definition, my definition, don't have to be in alignment with each other. No. But what's great about you and me, I think we are so much in alignment about a lot of things, which allows us to build a deep, good friendship and really grow and talk about the tough stuff, talk about the exciting yeah. stuff. And I think as we go up Success Mountain today, I really want people to get to know you through my filter of questions that I've got for you and, and this and that. Sure. But 
let's talk a little bit about your upbringing, get to know you at a little more personal level. Where are you from? Where would people say that, you know, hey, this is where Jared grew up? So I'm an army brat. So I grew up on military bases all around the world. No real home. I like to give people a quick rundown so they understand how I grew up. But uh, I was born in Michigan. Dad joined the army when I was two. Then we moved to Washington State, Fort Lewis. It was, it's now called uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And then from there, we moved to Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. And that was uh, kindergarten through half of third grade. And then finished up third grade in New Jersey, Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Talk about a transition from the island of Hawaii to New Jersey. <laughs> and we, we were there for six months and then moved to Fort Bliss, Texas. That's in El Paso. And I was there for uh, uh, three years. Then we moved over to northern Germany, southern Germany, Fort Benning, Georgia, in Missouri, where I graduated high school. And then I moved back to Georgia and went to school. So, and now we're in North Carolina. <laughs> I just watched the movie this past weekend, The Rookie. And in that movie, he, he had baseball aspirations. He played baseball, but his dad was, you know, on the army base and he was always moving around. And the thing that he had some resentment in that movie towards his dad, because you could see it in his eyes when he was just finding his groove. It's uh Oh, got to move again. Yeah. What was life like for you every time you, you got that kind of, Hey, we're making a move. Was it disappointment or like excitement? Yeah. You know, I get this question a lot when people find out how I grew up, because for most people, like my wife, for example, grew up uh, on the same street as her grandparents. So the idea of moving around is just crazy. It stresses some people out, but you know, I have to say is that's, that's all I ever knew. I didn't know anything different. I didn't move from a life of stability into this, you know, constant moving. And so, um, but, but there's still a human element to it, right? I mean, you, you make friends and then you leave. And uh, it was, it would be a little bit stressful um, as it would be for anybody, but you learn to adapt to it pretty quickly. And I, I joke around with people. I say all army brats, uh, we're all an emotional wreck on the inside. Some of us just are extroverts. That's how we deal with it. <laughs> and others are introverts, but, I say, but we're all, we're all a mess. Not, and I don't mean that in a bad way or like a victimized way. I mean, uh, military families, that's my community. And uh, they're some of the most resilient people in the world. And it's, um, it's, I have the utmost respect and want to serve them any way I can. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It was exciting. Um, I didn't know anything different. So it's hard to, to say, well, I would have preferred something else. The idea of living in one place my whole life does seem stressful to me. I'm like, no, that just sounds boring. So it's the opposite end of the coin, I guess. Yeah, Rick Steves, a gentleman who, who teaches people about travel in Europe, often talks about I think it's like we have only seen like 7% and there's like this 93% of the world we have no clue about. So by the time you're 18, man, you, you probably have seen a good chunk of the world, right? In a lot yeah. of ways. No, I did. Very literally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've been to several countries. And when I, when I think about kind of your upbringing, what we're talking about today, and you kind of talk a little bit about you didn't know any different, right? So it was just kind of what it is where your wife, for example, you know, grew up on the same street as her grandparents. So that was normal for her. And what you did was completely normal for you. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's just interesting when you get into the context behind it all, um, it worked for you. And you, you're also saying like, you know, for me, I, I like the idea of moving around. I like the idea of building new relationships and networks and travel and see the world. So I'm grateful we are talking today. Yeah. So did you fall into the military life, the army life? No, it's funny. Uh, so I, my wife likes to tell other people and tell me that I'm oppositional defiant. 
So she's a social worker. She gets to throw the book at me and says, no, you, you definitely fit this <laughs> because I've never worked for anybody my entire professional career. I've just always worked for myself and I enjoy that. And uh, she said, that's because I'm oppositional defiant. And my dad, well, well, we'll step back a little bit here. I grew up around GIs. I grew up around guys that were 18 years old coming into the army. And I remember uh, just saying to myself, like, yeah, I don't want to be one of these guys, right? You know, I want to be a musician. I want to do something different. And I never really had an interest in joining the army until about the age of 21. And this is, this is what's kind of funny. You get this from living over in Germany is that alcohol and cigarettes are completely accessible to anybody, any age, right? So of course, you know, as 14 years old, you know, I've got cigarettes, right? Maybe it goes great with playing music. And, uh, but it was around the age of 21. I quit all that. I used to be two packs a day. It was nuts. And I started mountain biking. So I, again, extremes. I went from, yeah, killing my lungs to doing an endurance sport. And I just really fell in love with, well, it's like a new drug, right? The endurance element, you know, pushing my body to a point where uh, I was just really uh, hooked on just feeling fit and strong and competitive. And um, it, was, it was around that time that I started to think about the military, and, but not the traditional military. I was much more interested in special operations. I thought, you know, those guys, that's the kind of work I'd want to do because it looks exciting. Of course, there's no guarantee you get in if you apply and you go through the training and you don't make it, then you belong to Uncle Sam for four years. But that was the only time that I really started to consider it. But at the same time, around that same time, uh, I got engaged. And also growing up in the military, I know that the kind of lifestyle uh, these special operators live. My dad worked with these guys. You know, you can disappear at three in the morning and be gone for three weeks and then come home. And you can't tell your spouse where you've been. It's it's a hard life. And so for me, I thought I'd, I'd much rather move down this road of uh, starting a family. And so that's what I decided to do. And I didn't give the military any, any thought, but I still do have fantasies that there's another bizarro world where I've followed that path. <laughs> so where did you uh, end up getting married? Where you reside now or somewhere else? No, no, in Georgia. We got married in Helen, Georgia. It's in the North Georgia mountains. My dad, he's a chaplain, so he married us. Uh, yeah, beautiful setting, beautiful setting. So we got married up in the, in, the, in the North Georgia mountains. Well, you know what, Jared? One of the things that I just admire about you is, is your honesty and, and all comes, I think it's also around some of your integrity, which is ultimately like the, the best character trait I think you can truly have is when you live in integrity and you talk from experience and you're open and honest, you know, 14, two packs of cigarettes oh, roughly man. a day yeah. and 21, you decide to quit all in or all out. That's kind of what I believe you have is a personality trait, right? You're like, I'm hundred percent in, don't, don't catch me. You won't catch me eating Oreos, but man, if you know, if I am, but if I'm you like, do, it's a whole bag. Oh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, so you're married, kids, wife, it looks like, you know, from being a musician and a composer, you're creative. And yeah. how much of that creativity <laughs> really helped you into kind of your, your goal as, you know, being a futurist and an advisor, but also like a graduate school professor. So I, I'm definitely interested in this education, this thinking, this movement that we're, we're going to experience today. I'm, I'm, I'm getting warmed up up Success Mountain. Yeah. You know, my path in my life is not a straight line by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, yes, I'm a musician, composer, but I mean, the, the thing that needs to be stated there is that I can't read any music. I've never been able to. I mean, I, I could, but again, this is probably my oppositional defiance that it just takes too long. So, so I have composed a number of things and I could not write, write them out in sheet music or anything like that. I would just have to record them. And uh, so, yeah, so 
that, but that does play a lot to the kind of work that I do now. In my undergraduate program, I was a history major in English creative writing. And then once I graduated, I uh, spent 11 years as an independent insurance broker, hmm. right? Where's the logic in that? There's none. I mean, that's where, you know, it's just, I enjoyed working for myself and that gave me an avenue to do it and, uh, and did really well there. But getting into my graduate program in strategic foresight and future studies, I started to recognize that my attraction to this field was the same attraction that I have had to history and English creative writing. And it's really, this is something I've been able to look back throughout my entire life from the time that I was a kid up until now. And that is this obsession or this uh, uh, fascination with story. That's what it comes down to is that, you know, I, I could say context, but a story is what it really comes down to. Right? History is all about the context that was taking place and understanding what was happening and why it was happening. And looking at the future is very much the same way. And the same goes with my music. I've never been one, I've only written one song with lyrics and it was a song that was inspired by my now wife, but that's the only one. Everything else is instrumental music. It's layered on top of each other, which is very much in the same vein of, of what attracts me to this field. It's context. It's layered. It's more complex. There's, you know, multiple things happening, but they all move in the same direction. And so my creativity has definitely played a big part in that, you know, and I wish that I could say, oh yeah. And I just, it's been the smooth transition into that, but it really hasn't because along with that also comes the baggage that, uh, that you get growing up when you're left-handed, you do things differently, your attention deficit, which is, Hey, that's, that's great. You're into this, but at some point you're going to have to think about getting a real job. You know, I joke that if I was born 20 years later, I'd be living in the perfect time for the way that I'm hardwired, but you know, I wasn't. And so I carry a lot of other narratives or stories, if you will, about what success means about what I should be doing. In fact, man, Tony, this is the craziest part, right? I mean, we're just getting honest and I'm telling you about my experience. None of this stuff has to do with foresight or the future, but hey, that's, I think this is more interesting anyway, right? Well, it's so, called the, you know, the real stories behind success. So, yeah, uh, so I want to talk about the real stuff, not the stuff that, ooh, he drives a Lamborghini, you know, it's yeah, like- definitely don't drive one of those. I, I <laughs> want to talk about this stuff. Yeah, so here's the crazy thing, right? When I was uh, eight years into my insurance career, things were going really, really well. I started to just, I started to reflect on why I was making the decisions that I had made. Like, why was I still in this field? Because it didn't really make sense. I enjoyed what I was doing. It gave me tons of free time, but I was wondering why I was still doing it. I was starting to get bored. And I started to realize that my decisions about my career path early on were rooted in the idea of proving other people wrong and proving to them that I could win their stupid game. You know what? They didn't, they weren't looking for that. They didn't even know that's why I was doing it. I just had to do that for myself. And I thought, man, what a stupid reason to, to make, to do anything. And I, I realized that this is a problem that I've dealt with since I was a kid, which is having, you know, feeling like I have to prove myself that, Hey, look, I do things differently, but if I have to prove to you that I can play your game, I'll prove it to you. And you know what? That doesn't benefit anybody. And uh, it's something I very honestly have been breaking out of continuously. It's something that I've been trying to, uh, to throw off and it, it really plays into, you know, my whole focus in my line of work, which is a question I ask a number of people, which is whose idea of the future you're creating. The reason I ask that question is because I was creating somebody else's. I was allowing these small stories and narratives to tell me what success should be and what I should value. And it was things that I did not like, like the idea of wearing a suit and tie, just, I hate it, but I did it. 
you know, because I, I can't tell you how just grateful I am that you just dropped all of that. Yeah. Because I, I, I know for a fact how I've tried to make others happy. Right. And at the end you just make yourself miserable. Yes. If you can't make somebody happy, especially if they're not willing to tell you what it is that they need help with. Right. So you're just totally. trying aimlessly throwing ninja stars in all directions and seeing what sticks. And you know, that just doesn't work. Yeah. So what I want to do, Jared, is I want to take a quick break. And why I want to take yeah. a break is because I'm feeling like, wow, like we just cut through a lot of stuff. And I want to, I want to spend some time looking back because that's what you talked a little bit about is your definition from a you know, kid born in Michigan to where you reside now in Charlotte, North Carolina, to, to just getting honest at eight, eight years into the insurance game of 11-year career making the decision like, wow, like I'm not really doing what I want to be doing and I'm making everybody else miserable because you're not being really who you were created to be. And that's part of this whole story that we're getting into today it is this creative person. And you're just getting a little bit into this futurist, you know, so you can help people to create their best future for themselves. Not my definition of my future has to be yours, but mm -hmm. I think we can collaborate and have some fun together when we come back. Yeah. And I'm excited. This is, this is where I needed it to go. I'm talking to a guy who's got a unique personality, all in or all out. He's creative, career path, can't write music or he can't read music to save his life. So the only song he pens is the song that he did for uh, his wife, you know, and everything else has been layered in, in just kind of layers of music and instrumental. And I think where we're going and, and how we're going to get down Success Mountain today is, is we're going to adapt, we're going to grow, we're going to keep feeling, and we're going to keep being honest. The world needs more honesty, more transparency. I love Southwest's uh, slogan, transparency, just because I think that's where we need to be as humans. Yeah. yeah. It's okay that I don't feel 100% today. Totally. I can't, I can't sit and do nothing about it. I need to share or talk about it so that I can grow uh, instead of feeling miserable at the end of it. So, hey, Jared, we're going to be yeah. right back with Jared Nichols. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. Stick around. This is the Be Fulfilled Podcast. We're going to take a quick break, and since Tony's taking one, let's take one together. Let's take a deep breath. Wherever you are, feel those ribs expand, that chest lift towards your chin. Let's do it now. That feels good, right? That's one of over 23,000 breaths you're going to take today. You don't even think about it, but you're focused on that one. That's life. That's rejuvenation. That's the moment right here. And thanks for doing that with me. We all matter. Those breaths matter. Let's remember them. And let's get back to the show. We are back on the Be Fulfilled podcast show. Man, exciting. I just got another Pellegrino and I'm sitting here. Wow, man, I am thirsting for more today with Jared Nichols. And we're talking about stuff that I think is common, at least in my circle of influence and my friends, because I've done master work with Jared. I've got other great friends that we all get in a room and we start talking and we're talking about our potential at the end of it. Like, who do we serve, right? And how can we serve? Uh, you know, and I just want to say thank you for being here and being just vibrant and, and just giving it like it is, like, you know army brat growing up that way to getting to the point where you even contemplated going in at you know 21 and, and thinking hey maybe I want to do this and then starting to own hey you know what that's not what I want and so I want to talk about one of the things that really sticks out when I see somebody talk about being a futurist 
I start thinking of the guy on the sci-fi channel with his hair all spiky and going crazy and thinking alien theorists prove, you know, concept. That's, that's what I think of, right? The very first time I started thinking of futurists is, oh my gosh, where, when are they coming? Right. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, what it is you do, how yep. you help people. And I am fascinated from multiple conversations I've had over the years with you about just this genius behind the scenes. So I want to talk about that. Today. Oh man, pressure's on now. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's, that's the image that you, uh, that you just shared there about when you think about futurists. You think of somebody on the Sci-Fi Channel talking about the next 50 years, aliens, uh, whatever it might be. You know, it's, it's giving you this fantastical possibility of what the future might look like. And uh, that's not really what my line of work, that's not what I do in my line of work. In fact, one of the most common questions that I get from folks is what does somebody need to do to become a futurist or how does somebody become a futurist? And I, and I tell them and I'm joking, but at the same time, I'm kind of serious. I say the easiest way is to just start calling yourself one because nobody's going to know the difference, right? <laughs> you know, and that's, and there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, not all futurists are the same. There's not a lot of us, uh, that are out there. The vast majority of futurists are keynote speakers. They get up and they talk to you about what the future might look like, talking about trends. And, um, but for me, I, I was trained a little bit differently. Uh, my work and my area of focus or my training and background was, was really designed for intelligence work. So to give you an idea, I was one, maybe there's one other person in my graduate program who did not come from the State Department or Booz Allen Hamilton or Northrop Grumman. Uh, or a think tank. I mean, we've been trained for uh, scenario planning, scenario work, intelligence work, think tank work. And for me, I love this because this is, again, it all comes back to story. And so for my focus as a futurist and is, is really on teaching more people how to utilize these same tools and strategies so that they can take a more active role in the direction uh, that we're going in. They can take a more active role in the kind of future that they actually want to see. Uh, rather than sitting back and waiting for somebody else to do it, because that's been the case for uh, most of us uh, throughout history. So that's really my area of focus when it comes to the future, is that if you can't leverage your uh, understanding or your imagination about what might be possible for the future, if you can't leverage that and use that to make better decisions today, then talking about the future is little more than entertainment. So that's really at the heart of my work. And the, the focus of my work is teaching people how to think about the future, not teaching them what to think about the future. And that's the problem I see with a lot of, uh, you know, the sci-fi shows, those are entertainment-based. That's what they're for. But everything, the, mo the vast majority of things you see about the future are telling you what to think. And that's not just for the next 10 years. I mean, we rely on predictions and uh, forecasts from experts on things like what the weather's going to be tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with that. I do that 50 too. 50% of the time it's right and 50% of the time it's wrong anyways. Absolutely. And they'll tell you that too. And this, and this is really gets down to the, you know, to the main um, or the underlying reason that I took a different direction in my work is because too many of us are relying on the headline prediction or the, this is what the future is going to be next quarter, next 25 years, whatever it might be. And we start making decisions around that. And that's problematic because, uh, if you, if you look at the research that's been done, predictions and forecasts have a terrible track record. And we cannot just sit back and wait to see uh, or wait to find out what somebody's predicting for us and then make our decisions around it. We have to have more people actively engaging in how artificial intelligence, for example, is going to fundamentally uh, impact society. 
if we're just waiting around for it so that we can react to it, then we're not being good stewards of our time and our energy and our potential. So teaching people how to think rather than what to think is the key. How do people get connected with you? Uh, mostly through, uh, let's see, I was trying to come up with something funny, then I lost it. So now I'm going to a serious answer. <laughs> serious with Jared. Now it's time to be serious. I've been told by a friend, he said, every time you talk about business, your voice drops two octaves. It's I told him every time, to, right? you, yeah, you got to get serious. Every time he talks about business, it goes up two octaves. So we, uh, when, I, when I worked in radio, I was totally fine. Like my boss or, or somebody working with me would be in the studio. And then all of a sudden, when it was time for me to ramp up a song, I'd be like, and here we go now. You know, it's like <laughs> it just, changed just enough that you knew that I was doing my job. Right, right. Yeah. So when you talk about get connected, you're talking about actually connecting with me. Yeah. Learning um, more about what you do, website, resources. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you can, of course, go to my website, thenewfuturist.com. On social media, the place that I actually, where I am is LinkedIn, very active there. Facebook, um, Instagram, I'm not, I mean, I'm there. I have a presence, but I am not, I am not spending a lot of time there. Okay, so, so the newfuturist.com and then yeah. your favorite kind of channels where you find yourself really uh, connecting and, and working a lot. You, you like LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely, LinkedIn. That's where I... If we're talking about social media, absolutely. That's right. I at. think, you know, when people want to get connected with somebody, they, they want to go find where, you know, they are. And, and I love the, I think it's interesting. Like you tagged me in something a couple of weeks ago about LinkedIn. And it's one of those things where it's, it's, I thought it was a dying business, right? I never thought, how's it going to ever thrive? Well, they figured it out. And uh, I've been getting, you know, into more and more articles. I love, I love it. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, Absolutely. So, I want to ask two questions that kind of popped up. I've been taking pages of, of notes as we're sitting here. And I want to know how, how does the mind work? Because you kind of made a statement like, I'm paraphrasing it, but I'm unemployable. Like I, I don't have this mindset of wanting to go and get a job working for somebody. But let's for a moment say you had to, meaning Someone put a gun to your head, Jared, said, you need a job by the end of the day. Where would you go? What would you do? Just tell them to pull the trigger, man. Not happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Hey, it's honest. I, I think it's great. Uh, I often yeah. think, I don't know where I would go if I needed a job. Well, I, I, I mean, things would have to be pretty dire. I mean, like opportunity would have to have been completely dried up. I mean, it's not, oh, things have to be dire financially. I mean, one thing I've I, and I get a lot of this, I think, from the, growing up as a military brat. You know, there are people that are uh, well-resourced and there's people that are resourceful. And if somebody has given a talk on that. Maybe it was Tony Robbins. I don't know. I'm very resourceful when I'm not well-resourced. When I'm well-resourced, I actually get kind of bored. And I'm, <laughs> it's like I kind of thrive on that. Hey, man, <laughs> you're down to the wire. So uh, I kind of look at that. I have played around that situation of if I had to work in an, in an environment, what kind of environment would that be? And for me, it'd have to really be an environment where, where they still gave me a ton of autonomy. Because I think a lot of employers are afraid because they feel like, well, I've got to motivate my employees. The one thing you would never have a problem with me is motivating me. In fact, I think part of the reason I've never wanted to work for somebody is because I honestly haven't found people that can keep up. And that sounds arrogant, but it's not. That's just the way I'm wired. I'm wired where I can go for days and most people are done in half a day. And, and that's not always a good thing. Because we, you know, it's you like we have energy we have to burn off. Go down that road for a period of time that you have 
a longer recovery time to kind of get back going because it's hard it's hard to go full throttle 24 7. yeah yeah no i've uh and this i think this also ties in with being an endurance athlete right you know so i got into mountain biking and then road racing and everything else it's uh you learn how to pace yourself but even in that pacing you're still keeping a steady tempo that can go and go for a long time you know it's not like you're sprinting for 90 you know for thir- three days nobody does that i don't do that but um, Gump, that was about the closest thing I've ever seen to somebody really doing it. Running, 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 right? <laughs> yeah. But he talked he talked about something that you talked about in the very beginning. You know, he he ran until he was bored and, and I think he changed his mind about how he was feeling. And you know, even though it was a it was a you know, not a real movie, it was still the same premise. I think a lot of us go until we get bored and burn out and then we decide yeah. to change. Yeah. 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 I get you gotta be in a place where you're challenged. And I think for me too is that I, I'm able to you know, I mean, there's trade-offs. I, I tell, I, a lot of my clients, here's the interesting thing. The vast majority or my best clients that I work with, and I, I actually did the, I, see, this, it shows you how to touch. I used to think, oh, it's entrepreneurs and small business owners. No, it's not. When you really dig into the data, I looked at the people I worked with, we got the best results. They looked for new opportunities for us to work together. Without fail, they were all senior executives in larger organizations responsible for developing other people. And that's always been kind of, well, not always, but that's recently been funny to me because I've never worked in a corporation, but I've had them say like, we like that. That's what we like about you. And it's just a very different kind of environment. And a lot of them after a while say, you know, I think at some point I want to work myself. And nine times out of 10, I say, don't do that. You know, it's because this is, as you know, this is uh, it's, it's not easy. And I'm not saying that they're looking for something easy, but you've got to really know that this is what you want to do. No, ideally you do. And, and I want people to get connected today and learn more about you too. The new futurist.com. You can learn there. You can go to LinkedIn. And, and I just got to tell you, man, it's fascinating. We could, go, we could go on for hours learning about what you do and how you do it. But I want people who are resonating with today to go check you out, uh, track what he's talking about, because it's fascinating. See, and I'm so thankful you gave the this isn't what we do. This isn't the science. This isn't the sci-fi channel. We've got so much more to give. And, and, and I think it's because we hear the word and we, we almost go woo-woo, right? It's like mm-hmm. you're predicting something. Well, no, we're not. You, you actually are creating something for yourself. Right. And, I, and I loved what we talked about today, how to create the best future um, and, and how to help serve people as well. What I want to do is bring you into the fulfillment round. Fulfillment round is just for fun. It's just you and me. I got a bunch of questions. Get to know you at a little deeper level. We learned a lot about you today because you were transparent and I appreciate that. But also just to know a couple more things that kind of popped into my mind as I was listening to you today. So if you are ready, just say you're ready. Ready. And now it's time for the fulfillment round. No phoning friend, no using the Google machine. No digging into storage for the Encyclopedia Britannica's. And I promise Tony won't make you cry. And if you don't know the answer, just make it up. The Fulfillment Round brought to you by ShipOffers.com for all your product and fulfillment needs. Now, Tony, you ready to ask some questions? If you and I were to play rock, paper, scissors, what would be your go-to? Your first one out the gate. One, two, three. What would you show? What would you show first? Scissors. Yeah. Uh, If you were going out today uh, and you needed to survive and you only had two options, you had a fishing pole and a knife, what would I find you carrying? Uh, Does the fishing pole have fishing line on it everything it's it's ready to go full and ready to go i take yep. the fishing pole all right uh the type of road bike we would find you most often riding uh you'd find me on my road bike i've got a specialized tarmac pro custom for you built for you everything 
Yeah, it's not custom for me. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like somebody built the bike, but, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's got, it's got my uh, tubeless wheels, my power meter. You know, How, and, my, and when you go out on the road and you ride, what kind of trek would you go on? 10, 15, hundred miles. I, 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 this is not something I'm doing. So I'm learning right now. What would I yeah, find? So if I get out on the road and I've just got a little bit of time, usually about 45 miles. And uh, so my Saturday and Sunday mornings, I'll do that. Um, but then a lot of times I'll be out on the mountain bike and I'll ride from home to uh, hit one of the trails. And Do your um, kids ride? Kind of. They're eight and five. And uh, my youngest, my five-year-old, I think he's going to be a downhiller. I mean, he has no fear, which is also why we've taken him to the emergency room four times in his five <laughs> years of life. So. Oh, man. Um, where did you meet your wife? We met uh, when I was in college. We met... Uh, uh, in Georgia. She is five years younger than me. So she was the younger sister of a friend of mine and she came up to visit. And that's when I first met her. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, looking back at history, is there a period of time you find more fascinating? Yeah. So studying history, uh, the period of history that I'm absolutely fascinated with and love to uh, look into is the early first century, you know, in particular in um, looking at, so I, you know, the historical figure, Paul, I find him absolutely fascinating because he's been cast into this religious construct. But if you take him out of that and start to look at the social implications and what he was actually doing and where he was going and the people he was with, it's just an amazing story. And so that's a fascinating time period that I love to look into. Yeah. You know, it's, it is one of those things that we get to do is we have enough. And that's why I love the whole idea about looking back today a little bit of what we've got to experience with you. And, you know, man, it, you think about all the places you've gone, uh, where would you say was, was the one that gave you the best memory? Like, you know, bases that you've been to. Yeah, that's easy. That would be uh, Schofield Barracks, Hawaii. Uh, if anybody's listening has lived in Hawaii or lives in Hawaii, there was this place uh, we used to go to when I was a kid. We lived on the island of Oahu. And uh, it was called Shark's Cove. And it's because the cove looked like a shark. I believe that's why. But we'd go snorkeling. And I had the best memories of that place. It was just so beautiful. And, um, yeah, it was a magical time for sure. What do you and your family love to do for fun? If you're not at home, you know, hanging out, what, what kind of stuff do you like to do? Well, we, so every summer we go to the beach, we go to, uh, once in the spring, well, that's not the summer, but I mean, we're going to be going this summer. Uh, but we go down with uh, her side of the family down to, uh, the Gulf in Florida. And then with my family later on in the summer, we go to the Carolina coast and that to me is just, we have the most fun because you get to see all the cousins together. And, you know, it's just, a, it's a time where they're, they're kids and that time it just flies by so fast. And so, sure does. Sure yeah, does. yeah. I know you know. five and eight and I'm thinking mine's 18 and 20. How did it go? Like it was just yesterday that they were five and eight. Yeah. yeah. Man, Jared, I just want to say thank you. And I want the audience today to, to, to walk away like I am moved and inspired. And if you're ready to kind of take action and, and have that next type of conversation, go journey over to the newfuturist.com and learn more about Jared and who he is and why he shows up the way he does and his passion and his ability to play music and his personal skill, which I really love to throw in, which is just integrity, unique, and that ability to be creative and all in kind of personality. I love that. I think that is an infectious way to live life. It's, you know, I have no gauge of when I'm going a hundred percent. Like there is no hundred. 
it's like I could go a million miles an hour because I'm loving what I'm doing. And every time I've had a conversation with you over the past year, year and a half, I always leave like saying, hey, you know what? There's, there's always more to look forward to when we talk. There's always something more exciting around the corner. And I just want to say thank you for today, for being a guest, sharing on Be Fulfilled, what you're up to. Last question for you. Um, I often ask guests at the end of the show, did you come here wanting to talk about something, but Tony never shut up and asked me. So now flips the script and gives you the opportunity to share about something. Maybe it's top of mind or something you've been thinking about. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about my unhealthy fascination with Sasquatch, uh, but we can save that for another show. <laughs> All right. No, 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 no. Swim gym. We've got Jared Nichols. <laughs> but, no, it, uh, no, maybe if, if I could just leave uh, one thought with your listeners, and that is this, because I think it really helps us understand this idea of predicting the future. And, and if you remember anything, I would hope that you remember this, is that the future is, it, it can't be predicted. Because if it could be predicted, then that would assume that it's set in stone. And if the future is set in stone, then we have zero incentive to change anything that we're doing because we believe it's already been set for us. So if we change the way that we're thinking about the future, we have to think about it as something that is always out in front of us that is waiting to be created. Because if you think about it in a very literal way, if the future were to arrive, if it was a destination, something set in stone that we would arrive at, well, by the time it arrived, it would be the present. You see, it's, it's an idea, right? The future is just an idea. It's a story. And so the question that I would hope everybody asks themselves is what story of the future am I creating? And more importantly, whose? Because when you can grapple with that, then you can start to challenge the norms and the ideas that are being laid on you every single day, telling you what you should value, what you should do, how you should live your life, how you should create the future. And you start to challenge that because no, no feat in human history has ever been, uh, you know, no, no major change has ever taken place in human history by sticking with the status quo or just going with the flow. So drop the mic end of show. Jared Nichols delivers the last blow. Appreciate it, man. Um, Awesome stuff. Always good to to see you and chat. And uh, I encourage you listening right now. I hope he struck a chord with you today and you want to go look on what's the other side, just a little bit more out in front and start thinking, Hey, you know what? I can, I can create, I can see and do more. Um, there's nowhere to get. You're exactly where you need to be doing exactly what you said you wanted to be doing until you come to that moment where you don't and you want to do something different. And I'm going to encourage you today, if you're ready to do something different, thefuturist.com. Jared Nichols, thank you for being a guest today. It's always great to see you. Thank you, brother. Great to be here. All right. His name is Jared. I am Tony Grebmeyer. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the absolute best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at www.tonygrubmeyer.com. Enter your details to get the first week of the Be Fulfilled Journal for free. It includes access to our private community of thousands of other entrepreneurs. It'll give you more clarity and freedom in your day. And it might just change your life forever. Forever.